Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 016. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever felt like the events of the day just beat you up? Like nothing could go right no matter what you did? Days like that happen, and they can frustrate us to no end. Even worse, they can grab our focus and make us feel like we're no good. King David promises you, there is hope for days like that, even if the hope is not found in the form you might think. Let's find out more. I was talking to a friend this week who had said, you know what, you're really great with your kids. And I had to kind of smile and laugh internally as as we were having this conversation. Now, trust me, I, I appreciated the encouragement. But the fact is, I can be really good at parenting well for about an hour while people are around. Maybe two if we're having a potluck upstairs or something like that. But over a 24-hour cycle, it doesn't always quite go so well. It's not always the highlight reel that people put up on the internet. And then, you know what? i got to get up in the morning and do it all over again. Now, a little bit of a quirk to my story. I have learned over the past 15 or 20 years to live life as though every day were your last. It's something I've learned to kind of take very seriously. And so rough parenting moments can get at me. They can kind of gnaw at me sometimes. And so our our pediatrician says, you know what, if you get it right half the time, 50% of the time, you've had a pretty good day. If, If you have 10 people and nine people say something nice to you and one person says something mean, which of those comments sticks out in your head? The one. You know what? If I had a parenting day where half the things went wrong, I lost my temper, lost my, you know, said something I I would regret, things like that. If I did that half the time, the pediatrician would say, you know what? You've had a pretty good day. I would feel like I just titaniced the day and we were going down and going down hard. The fact is, frustration discouragement can get us to focus ourselves on the wrong things. And it can all of a sudden very quickly start tumbling and progressing in in ways we never would have imagined. Where I could look at a day and and lay in bed and think, I had a, a rough parenting day that quickly turns into, I'm a bad parent. See how that can progress? And it progresses very quickly as your mind can start to imagine and start to get creative in the wrong ways. This can happen in a million different ways. It can happen as parents, as grandparents, in our relationships, as we attempt to, to go after goals where we fall, where we stumble, or we, something discourages us, and all of a sudden the progression gets to where we are just worthless, pointless, it, just give up, throw in the towel. Is there any way through such a moment so we can face those, times that, those things that maybe discourage us and still have hope? The fact is, God, I hope so. But the good news is, there is hope in hope. Let's pray together. God, help us to hold on to you in the times when we are discouraged, when we are frustrated. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The passage we're going to use to explore this whole idea is Psalm 42. You may recognize at least the beginning of it. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, 
for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went through the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. So why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with the deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my help and my God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, believe it or not, even King David faced frustration in his life, faced discouragement. The scholars believe that David wrote this psalm, as he wrote so many. And actually, I could have run right into Psalm 43, because they're, they're almost like two peas in a pod, one topic, maybe even written together. As David is writing this, he is overlooking a situation where Absalom, his son, has started a coup to overthrow David from his throne. Now imagine that. Your son is trying to off you so he can be king of the land. That'd be a bit discouraging. But as he overlooks the situation and he thinks about it and he kind of starts to ponder it in his head, the discouragement doubles. And why do I say that? Because it's not just that he feels Absalom has left him, which, understandably, his sister says he has, but he feels like God has left him, like God has walked out on him. I say to God, why have you forgotten me? In verse 9, why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like God just walked out on you, left you especially in a moment of discouragement? Now I know some pastor kid way back when said God will never leave you or forsake you, and if he says that again in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to punch him in the face after worship. Well, we'll get to punching in the face in a little bit. But for now, hang with me. Because it can feel that way. And that feeling is very, very real. On top of being discouraged about a situation that you don't have an answer to, it can feel very alone. It can feel like you're doing it all by yourself. Like you are the only one who's ever experienced these kinds of circumstances and these feelings that are eating you up. I read how loneliness can have the same health benefits to us as 15 cigarettes in a day. Now, who wants to claim that 15 cigarettes a day is a really healthy thing for us? All right. I didn't have to hedge my bets on that one. It can beat us up. And it's that one-two punch, that discouragement and feeling alone that puts David's face into the dirt. The man known for being after God's own heart faces the same kind of frustration maybe that we do. How do we deal with that? How do we work our way through it? I mean, it feels like the discouragement grabs our focus, and it won't let go. 
Like a shepherd puppy who is going out after the rope in a game of tug and will not let go. I know this from experience. They are laser focused on keeping that rope in their teeth. It's the way I exercise my grip entirely. I don't even have to go to a gym to do that. I just try and hang on for dear life. So how do we snap out of it? How do we break the cycle? I'm going to give you a quick tip that will kind of help you get started. Hopefully you're not in a frustrating or, or discouraging situation right now, but when it comes, imagine you're watching it like on a TV in your mind. I know this is not going to be hard to do. Picture it as vividly as you can, and then like a piece of paper, crumple it up hard as you can and throw it a lot further than that. <laughs> I envisioned that going a lot further, but you get the idea. I forgot the rock inside. We'll get to the rock in a little bit. Right before or after the whole punching in the face part. Now, the thing is, doing that will help. But unfortunately, that makes your mind like a vacuum and something is going to jump back into it. So what do we end up putting in, in place of that scene of discouragement? Verse 5. Praise. I shall again praise him, God, my help. Now, What are you talking about, Brian? Because I just feel like I got my face rearranged by Muhammad Ali, and you're going to tell me to praise? Yes, I am. The fact is, when we feel discouraged, those feelings are real. But the thing about feelings is they are fickle. They have kind of an ebb and flow to them that you could be doing great at 8.30 in the morning and be depressed as all get out by 9 a.m. Somebody says something and and you're up on on top of the mountain and then somebody else says something or you trip on your way out the door and you're right back down in the valley. They're fickle. You can't count on them. What you can count on is a rock. I say to God, my rock. By definition, solid, stable, not going to, to waver or wax and wane with the circumstances. That is what we hang on to. If you were here last week, remember the memory verse from last week? Jesus Christ is the same. People were practicing. That is awesome. Solid. Not going to waver. By definition, rock. We don't have to be the ones who are solid. We just have to hang on to the one who is. It allows us to focus, as Paul says in Philippians 4, to what is true, honorable, Just, pure, pleasing, commendable. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Hang on to these things. And the praise will get you to focus on what is good. But there's more. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Now, that sounds like a great Christian cliche. Brian, you promised you weren't going to do this at the threat of being punched in the face after worship. I'm going to get to the idea of grace, so let's practice that a little bit and give me just enough grace to ask one question here. If you paid for a Ferrari, would you want to take it for a spin? Let me put this way. If you paid for a Ferrari, would you say, no, I don't don't need to take a ride in it. You can have my $100,000 and just do what you want with it. Let me tell you a little story. When I was in junior high, there were six words that could completely alter a friendship amongst us. I'll see you on the hill. 
usually said, with as much gusto and as much machismo as a 13-year-old boy could muster, because the hill was the place where, where fights happened after school. Right about this time, when the hill started to become prominent in life, my brother was teaching me how to take care of myself if I were ever called out on the hill. But even though he taught me and taught me well, if I had ever been up there, it would still be scary. Honestly, most of the fights I ever had in in junior high never made it all the way up to the hill. But to be up there alone would be scary, as it probably would be for most guys, even if they wouldn't admit it. I would have loved, had I ever been in that situation, to have my my big brother watching my back. And though I'm bigger than him now, when I was 13 and he was 25, having him in my corner would be, well, I'd really, really want it. But here's the thing. My brother, knowing him as I do, if he would have been in my corner while I stood up on that hill, he wouldn't have thrown one punch for me. He would have made me do it. So why would I have wanted him up there? Well, it's often said that the teacher is most silent during the test. But the thing is, even though they're silent... They're still the teacher. And had my brother needed to pick me up, get my face out of the dirt during an instance on the hill, he would have looked me in the eye and said, now we know what we need to work on. And he would have taken me back to the basement, and we would have worked on it. And he would have taught me. So how do we hope in God in the midst of discouragement? Well, it's not that God is going to instantly yank us out of a situation where we're discouraged or where we're beat up. Although sometimes, yes, that does happen. But sometimes, even if we pray for God to save us out of it, the fact is, sometimes he helps us to see through it, not necessarily pull us out. I'm going to tweak Joseph's words from a situation in Genesis 50. After Joseph had been sold off by his brothers into slavery, ended up going through so much, ends up rising the ranks in Egypt, and He's like second in command. And his brothers come to him in Egypt after their land had been in famine. And they're like, Egypt, save us. Help us out. And he looks at his brothers and he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. I'm going to tweak that statement out of Genesis 50-20, what I call the 50-20 vision. What you intended to tear me down, discouragement, God intended to teach me now. It's not so much that God will save us out of the situation, but he'll see what we're supposed to take from it what we're supposed to glean from it. So that, if you paid the tuition for the lesson, you can experience the benefit of it. If you paid for the Ferrari, by the experience, by paying in the school of hard knocks, you get to take it for a drive. Something good happens out of it, rather than it just being meaningless suffering. Now I open up saying that I get that rough parenting moments will frustrate me. And I I hate them. But the fact is, as I have some of those days where maybe I only get it right half the time, God teaches me through that. And he teaches me about the idea of grace. Not just grace for my, for my kids, but also grace for myself. Because I know that the place that I have kind of come out of where I, I'll beat myself up over a parenting mistake or things like that comes out of a place that lacks grace. That says, you made a mistake, that means you're a bad parent. God doesn't yank me out of those situations. He uses Rachel to do that for me. (laughs) And sometimes she will. But he has taught me how to live into God's grace and live out of God's grace through that. And it's still a work in progress, no doubt. 
But it is something that I look at those moments when I, I could say to myself, you know what, you're just a bad parent, just toss in the towel, forget it. No, there's something that I'm learning out of it. There's a point to it. It's not just senseless beating myself up. And so that's what I want you guys to do this week. When you face some situation that discourages you or frustrates you, and I use the word when, not if, because we're human, we live life, we know it's going to happen at some point. Ask yourself, what's the lesson God's trying to teach me out of this? How is God trying to grow me through this? Imagine what it would be like if you could do that. If you could make sense out of discouragement and out of frustration. If you could say, even in the worst of situations, here's what I'm supposed to learn. Here's how I'm supposed to grow through this. You'd be unbreakable. Even the worst of situations, you'd be able to find some purpose, some way to be positive through it. And you know what? You'd even be all the wiser in the end. Now, who would be up for a life like that? When discouragement and frustration cannot steal your focus, cannot break you. Thanks again for listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode... We will have the finale of our Life and ADHD series with a topic most of us know well, even if not by its name, FOMO, or fear of missing out. It pulls us in a million directions as we try to always have the inside scoop on what's going on in life, the world, and of course, the internet. Although it may be a condition used mostly with heavy social media users, one could be completely unplugged and still suffer from FOMO. What can we do about it? Find out next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.